Well, good morning, everybody, and happy Easter to everyone. I know some of you are thinking, Tim, I think you're confused. This is not Halloween. (laughs) I know that. And uh, uh, I got this idea from doing a graveside at a funeral because I realized Easter began in a place like this. Think about that. And that's what I want to talk about uh, today as we as we finish up this series called Jesus Is. We're going to talk about him claiming to be the resurrection. Uh, if you have a bulletin, hope you can follow along in the notes. You can. You're more than welcome to. It's great to have you here. If this is your first time here, we're so glad that you came, and uh, we hope you'll you're all we're all going to benefit from being together today. Uh, let's see. Um, we still have donuts and stuff in the back, so. There's plenty to get there even afterwards. I hear there's an Easter egg hunt. So there's all kinds of things happening. Uh, and uh, next week we're having a, our spring wing fling. And you say, what is that? Well, we're going to have wings. Everybody, Anybody wants to bring wings, bring some wings for you and for some others. I mean, Jesus does say to share. And, and bring, maybe have your own uh, <laughs> uh, secret recipe because we're going to have a little competition and see who can come up with the craziest wings or the best wings. Uh, but that will be happening next week uh, as we start a new series here at Greater Alton called uh, The Twelve. And uh, we'll be having, again, then after services, we'll be just uh, all over the place with wings. Hope you can come and be with us. Uh, again, like I said, this is, this is where Easter began. And I know a lot of people, when they think about cemeteries and graveyards, it's not one of those great feelings you have inside. Do you get a warm, fuzzy feeling inside when you're at a cemetery? I don't think so. I, I got to thinking the other day, you know, it's, it's one of those places where you don't say, hey, kids, let's pack up a Dakar and let's go to the cemetery. You're not going to get the same reaction as you would maybe with Six Flags. No, these places, places like this disturb us. They bother us. They frighten us. But I want you to know this morning, Jesus was not uncomfortable in a place like this. And I started looking in my Bible of all the places that, you know, where did Jesus do some of his incredible work? And it was in cemeteries. And there's more than one example. For example, he he reunites with a close friend named Lazarus at his crypt. And Lazarus had been dead for four days. He restores he restores a man that's that's out of his mind, so to speak. He's been chained to the tombs outside of town. And when you find Jesus at the cemetery with this fella, it, it isn't very long until the man, the Bible says, is at his right mind. He's at peace, no longer with all these demons inside. If you look at in a passage uh, in the book of Luke, there's a passage where this... this uh, Mother loses a son in the city of Nain, and as they're carrying him in a casket in the funeral procession, talk about interrupting things, Jesus touches the casket, and the son comes back to life. They're reunited. I thought this was interesting. I never noticed this before, that after Jesus was resurrected, uh, something happens to cemeteries. Now, I've always read the Bible to say things like this. When he died, if you remember, when he died, the sky got dark, the ground shook, the temple curtain torn in two, and the graves were opened, and people 
walked out of the tombs when he died. It doesn't say that. It says that they, the, yes, the graves were broke open when he died. And yes, the temple court inter- turned in two, uh, uh, torn in two. All that did take place, but they didn't come out of the graves until after Jesus resurrected. I thought that was a marvelous. You see, Jesus does incredible work in the cemetery. He does some amazing things, big things at the cemetery. Even at his own plot. If you remember, they come to see if they'd heard that Jesus may have resurrected. And one of the things that's said to him is, is that, um, to this woman, he says, look, you know, well, the angels say to these women, look inside. You can see for yourself. He has resurrected. He, and, and he gives these women hope. And he gives a woman named Martha who is confusing him with the gardener and says, oh, if you took this body, would you just tell me where he is? Because, you know, I don't want him out, you know, this is awful. And she, and all he says, or he says to Mary, he says, or, uh, yeah, he says to Mary Magdalene, says Mary, and then she realizes Jesus is alive. And it's in a place like this that he makes this statement here on your notes and up here on the screen in John chapter 11. Look what he says. Jesus says to her, and he's talking to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He says that at a cemetery, a place where dead people are. Now, I know when you woke up this morning, maybe you had different ideas, like what are you going to wear for Easter? Uh, or, you know, maybe there's going to be an egg hunt at your house or, the, or candy, lots of candy. I've called, I think Easter's become the Christmas of spring sometimes with all the candy that's around. But and it's a, and it, there's reason to celebrate, no doubt about it. But maybe you've had those kind of ideas, like a chocolate bunny. And that may have been on your mind when you woke up this morning. I want you to know when Jesus woke up on Easter morning, none of that was on his mind. What he had in his mind was life. And he was living again. That's why the Bolton cover, when you look at your Bolton cover, you're going, man, Tim, that's creepy looking. It is creepy looking. And the reason I wanted it that way is because we get an idea. Well, who is that? Who is that? You can interpret that photo any way you like. Is it Jesus as he's first seeing the sun and the stone rolls away? Is that what's going on? Or could it be an indication of what you and I are going to experience if we, if we're, if we're right with God? Because He does promise that to all those who trust Him and believe in Him. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to, I want to reveal four powerful truths that come from Easter because Jesus resurrected. Let's look at them. Number one, I don't have to be afraid to die. There's a lot of phobias. I know from bugs to public speaking. <laughs> Let me tell you, this can get a little intimidating. I'm not denying that. And I've had some people say, oh, death is not my number one fear. And then you want to, I said, well, let me ask you this. If we put you, give you a choice here before speaking to a crowd and dying, which one would you rather do? Guess what they're going to pick? I'd rather talk. You know, death is the number one, the number one fear. And it's, why is that? Well, it's because in the back of our mind, we know someday we're going to end up there. Someday my family's going to come and bring me 
to a place like this, put me in a hole, and as one preacher said, and go back to the church building and have potato salad and talk about me. Woody Allen one time said this, it's not that I'm afraid to die, I just don't want to be there when it happens. Isn't that true? My mom and I were having that discussion this morning. We're scaredy cats. We don't want to be there either. You know, maybe it'll happen in our sleep. We just don't want to, you know, be awake when it happens. And none of us want to do that. None of us want to think like that, you know, or or want to be there when it happens. But it's going to happen. And we're going to be there, folks. We're going to have the front row seat of our own death. Look at this passage here in Ecclesiastes 7. Death is the destiny of everyone. The living should think about this and take it to heart. See, we, but the living, let's face it, we don't want to think about that. We want to think about other things. Tim, let's talk about God's love on Easter. Let's talk about not death. Let's talk about life. Well, the thing is, the Bible says it's better to go to a funeral than to a party. To have it on your mind. Why? Because it has an impact on our lives. You see, thinking about our own death gives us the creeps. It just is too much sometimes to take. And the last place we want to think about is the cemetery. But I want you to know again this morning, death doesn't bother the one who calls himself the resurrection. And he doesn't want it to bother you too. He wants you to be able to go, okay, it's coming. And be okay with it. Look at the Bible says here in Hebrews 2. Since the children are made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death. By embracing death, taking it into himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life scared to death of death. That there's something that Easter teaches us that Jesus teaches us from his plot, his cemetery plot is, you don't have to be afraid to die anymore. I don't know how, I grew up constantly afraid. I was like that kid in What About Bob that dressed in black all the time. And I'd remind everybody, you know you're going to die. How do you know that, Tim? Well, the cat died and the dog died. and I've seen a pig or two die and I've seen a couple of relatives die. You know, they're in that box. I'm realizing I'm going to die. I remember at the age of five thinking, I'm imagining, with my imagination of a five-year-old now, being buried in the cemetery in Albion, and I could hear the Fred Flintstone cartoon on TV at my house, but I was sad because I couldn't see it. It's, it's, there's these things that go through our minds, even as children, as adults, that, that strike terror. You do not have to be afraid to die. If you're afraid to die, you don't have to be. Because the resurrection... The resurrection wasn't afraid either and makes it possible for you not to be afraid. Here's the second thing I notice. I can look forward to living after I die. See, Easter shows you and I there is more than here. There's more going on. The Bible talks about the life here on earth and the life to come. It talks about eternal life. You know, a lot of people today, they don't, a lot of people today don't believe this. They don't believe that they're going to be that they die, there's something else. They think once they die and they're buried, that's it. And they live that way. They live like they're dying instead of live like they're living. They're going to live. 
Very selfish way to live. And, 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 and they believe this. When, when it's all over, then they are put in the ground. And like any grave marker, there are dates. The day I was born and the day I died. Jesus had no dates on his tomb, folks. No dates. The Alpha and the Omega has no dates. Why bother? He's coming back. I mean, the guys, if he starts chiseling, he might get it done in three days, and all of a sudden he's, what are you doing? That's, that's not true. Take that out. No, there's so much more ahead for those, and for Jesus, and the resurrection, and for us, who trust him. Look what it says here in Matthew 17. One day while they were still in Galilee, Jesus told them, I'm going to be betrayed into the power of those who will kill me. And on the third day afterwards, I will be brought back to life again. See, Jesus expected to live after he died. He expected it to happen. And he reminds his disciples over and over again. He, and he wants you to expect it too. Look at this passage in John 11 again where he claims to be the resurrection. He goes, I, I am the resurrection and the life. And look what he says. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. What's he saying? You're going to die, but you're going to live. But that'll make sense. You're going to live after you, after you die on this earth. That's what's going to happen. Uh, here in 1 Thessalonians 4, this is a, a real popular passage preachers use at gravesides. Okay? But it wasn't written for, to, to, to celebrate at a graveside. It was written to celebrate your life wherever you are. Look what it says here. First of all, you must not carry on over them like people who have nothing to look forward to, as if the grave were the last word. He's talking about those that have died. He says, don't, don't act like they have nothing to look forward to. Like this is the last word. Since Jesus died and broke loose from the grave, God will most certainly bring back to life those who died in Jesus. The resurrection wants you to know this morning, Jesus Christ wants you to know this morning, that you can look forward to so much more after your time here. He came for that purpose, and He was raised for that purpose. Number three, I can trust God to fulfill all He promises. I can, I can trust that. That's what, that's what Easter tells me. You know, Jesus was very open and clear about who he was. And we've spent 14 weeks, this is week 15 of this series, Jesus Is, and we've looked at all these things, and Jesus was, he didn't leave people in the dark. He was very clear and upfront about who he was. He said, I am the stone, I'm the cornerstone, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, I'm the bridegroom. I'm the bridegroom, and the church is my bride. I'm the vine. I'm the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the son of God. Very clear about this. People would say, there's the Lamb of God. And he would say, that's correct. He didn't, he did not disagree with that. He called himself the great physician, the king of kings, master. He was called master. And he says, you're right, calling me master because he was also a servant. And he's just as clear about this idea of resurrection. He's saying, I'm also the resurrection. And so you see these passages over and over again coming out of the Bible. And if you ever wanted to do this, Google it. Just Google on a Bible program. uh, Google something about rise again or or the word grave. And you're going to find, especially in the book of Matthew, several times Jesus Christ is claiming 
he's going to be killed and come back. Here in Matthew 12, for example, Jonah was in the stomach of the big fish for three days and three nights. In the same way, the Son of Man, the Son of Man will be in the grave three days and three nights. Here in Matthew 16, look what he says. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for them to go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer many terrible things. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. I mean, think about this, folks. Of all the statements that Jesus made, this is by far the greatest and boldest. It's up there with the Son of God. He's saying, you kill me and I can come back from the grave. And I'll do it in three days. One time he's saying, destroy this temple. And in John 2, I think, in John, he says, and I'll raise it in three days. They thought he meant the building. It took 46 years for Solomon to build something like this. How can you say that? And John goes, he was talking about his body. You know, God dwelled in the temple, but he dwelled in Jesus. And he says, you destroy it and see what happens. See what happens. You see, if he doesn't keep this promise, church, listen to me, every believer in here, if he doesn't keep this promise, what are we doing? If he doesn't keep this promise, then the rest of the promises that he's made are empty. They don't make any sense. Like Paul would say, we ought to be pitied more than anybody. And by the way, you will find somebody that will look at you and go, oh, I feel bad. I feel sorry for you that you believe in that crazy stuff about resurrection. The thing is, Jesus, he kept his promise. I wish I could say I kept all my promises. Could you say that? I can't. I have blown it. I have made promises. Yeah, I'll show up and pick you up and forget. Did that to my children several times. Yeah, I'll pay you back and I forgot. Or I'll borrow, I borrowed that. I'll bring it back. Forgot. Or yeah, I'll remember that. Denise will say, you're not going to, I'm going to have to text you. No, no, you don't have to text me. I'm going to remember only to find out that I broke another promise. We're not good at keeping promises. God is great at keeping promises. And he kept this one, church. In Matthew 28, look what he says here. The angels say this. Jesus is not here. He was raised, look what it says, just as he said he would be. Come over to the grave and see for yourself. I mean, come look at his grave and you're going to see the evidence. So Jesus, when he, when he went into his grave, he comes out and he, and he fulfills that promise. And that means that every promise that God has made, you can count on. Look at this passage here in 2 Corinthians 1. God has made a great many promises. Do you know how many promises the Bible says that God has made? Some believe between three and five thousand different promises. That's a lot of promises. And he says they are all yes because of what Christ has done. Really? Yeah, every one of them. You mean God promises to love me? That means He'll love me? Even when I fail Him? Yes, that's a promise. He'll be with me? He doesn't leave me? If anybody does any leaving, folks, it's usually us that do the leaving, not God. Well, will he, will he forgive me? I mean, I'm Tim. Oh my goodness. Some of the stuff I've done just the last 48 hours. I don't even, I don't, I don't know. Anybody could, I can't even forgive myself. Can God forgive me? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Will he provide for me? If I seek his kingdom first, he says, if I seek his kingdom first, he'll take care of my needs. Really? Will he really do that? He promises to do that, church. And because of the resurrection, you can count on it. It's a yes. I will do that. Will he work everything out? I mean, even the bad stuff? He said, the Bible says he promises to work everything out for my good. I just don't know. Is that really gonna, really? I have a hard time believing that. Because he raised the dead, you can believe that even though it may not make sense. And there's thousands of promises like this in the Bible. I can trust every promise he makes. But here's the fourth thing, fourth powerful truth I get from Easter. I can have God's power to live on. And this is a biggie for me. See, it doesn't take long, does it, that until life reminds you just how out of control and how powerless you are, how limited you are, that there are some things beyond your ability. Maybe we are reminded, I'm reminded with age, Mm, age. I'm not 25 or 35 or 45. I'm not 55. I'm going to be 65 in just a few months. And I'm going to be signing up for <coughs> Medicare. Oh, my gosh. My mom and I were talking about this, about how, you know, how we handle death and stuff. And what I told her, I said, Mom, I'm telling you, I'm going down swinging. Jesus is going to have to take me while I'm asleep because I'm going to be fighting to the bitter end. If that's what I like being alive, okay? And, and I want, I like this life. But I have to admit, there's some things about this life that just stink. And that is, I can't do everything. I, could, I couldn't do some things when I was 5 or 15 or whatever age that I can do now, but then there's some things I can't do now that I did when I was that young. It's just, it's just it's unfair. Hmm. We get sick, and we're all of a sudden at the mercy of someone else, someone else to help us. Our illness reminds us of just how much out of control we are. We have to go to the ER. We have to go see a specialist. We have to go see a a doctor or a nurse. We have to take medication. We have to have surgery or we'll, we'll die. We're all reminded of these limitations. Or just a simple problem, a flat tire. Car breaks down. You know, you can't call Chris Weiler every time your car breaks down. Chris Weiler's a mechanic here in the, in the audience. You can't call Chris up, even though he's a master mechanic, only one of 10,000 of him in, in the world. Oops. Sorry, Chris. But sometimes you, I'm, I'm stumped. The bills, uh, uh, fi- my finances can sometimes remind me of how powerless I am. I want to change. I want to. Do, I, I don't want to spend so much. But I, how come I've got this nasty habit? I, I seem to get myself in financial trouble all the time. 
And maybe it's relationships. If there's anything I've learned in marriage and raising children, you do not have control over other people. Mm, mm, doesn't work. Guilt trips. And when a gill puts you on a guilt trip, man, doesn't work. It's just uh, you find out you can't control somebody. You can only control you. Well, wait a minute. Even that's tough, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, even that can get tough to remind us of our limits. You see, we're in a broken world. That means you and I are broken, and broken things don't do very well. Broken things aren't very powerful. They can't take the load because they're broken. And those levers of control that you think that you have, those levers, they're not connected to much, if anything at all. Let me give you some verses up here on the screen. Let me give, show you this passage here. Job is going through all kinds of stuff in his life. He's financially ruined his family. He's had tragic loss in his family. And look what the Bible says here, what Job says. I have no power to help myself. All the self-help in the world isn't going to help me. I don't have, a, I don't have enough power to help myself. I mean, there's just some things that are impossible. I've been uh, counting carbs. And, um, you know, 60 carbs a day I'm trying. Guess how I'm doing? Yeah. I started off gangbusters, but that bag of M&Ms, ah, 17 of them, 19 carbs. Man, only 17? I can handle that. I'm learning, I'm learning some things. If, if, those of you who diet, it's not easy to watch your diet. It's tough. We, we, we're on them for a week and then it's over. We want to change something in our character. We want to do something in our character, but it seems like we just, it's out of reach. How come I think this way and act this way? I wish I could stop this. And I find myself just so frustrated because I don't have enough willpower or enough power at, at all. Even even a sin or a habit. I thought I was done with that years ago. Creeps its ugly head up every once in a while. Here's how Paul describes in Romans 7 up here on the screen. I want to do what's right, but I can't. You ever said that? I want to do the right thing. I mean, my desire is very strong, but I'm not strong enough to make the change don't have the strength. The Bible says this to encourage you this morning. It says this in Psalms 29, the Lord will give power to his people. The Lord wants you to have power in your life. You're not going to find it here. You won't find it. In other words, on the earth, you're going to have to look for it from the Lord. What kind of power is that? Well, it's the same power that raises the dead. It's Easter power. And, and because of Easter, Jesus wants you to have access to that power. He wants you to have it. He wants you to experience it. Look at the Bible says here in 1 Corinthians 6 here up on the screen. God has raised the Lord and will raise us through His power. 
He wants to give you His power this morning. I love this passage here in Ephesians 1. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance to His holy people and His incomparably great power for us, look at that, for us who believe, who trust, who obey the Lord. So That's what believe means. Not just to believe in the existence of or believe in a fact, but to trust it and apply it. It says that power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead. So the same, the same power that resurrected Jesus, He wants you to have when you face anything, anything, any problem, any circumstance, any surprise, any challenge. For this church, there's no problem that can't be overcome with the resurrection power of Jesus. There is no problem. There really isn't. There's no circumstance. I heard somebody say it this way. God never designed you and I to live under our circumstances, but above them, to overcome them. Paul would say this in Philippians 4, I have the strength to face all conditions, and look what he says, by the power that Christ gives me. Tim, I don't know if I have that power. I know some of us here, even as Christians, there's times when we think, am I really experiencing that power? Am I right? Am I, am I real? Sometimes, Tim, I don't, I don't know if I have that power. And I can, I, all I can tell you is, I, there's been moments the same way for me. I'll go, man, I don't have, I don't know what to do. And I worry and I panic or I do something stupid because of a, of something I'm facing. What's the problem? I think it has something to do with this. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this isn't for you. This is for me today. Okay. I think I'm trusting myself more than trusting the Lord. That I find myself trusting myself instead of turning to God and trusting Him. I'm trying it my own way, trying it with my own power. When it, when God's power could be unleashed, if I'd only, in some cases, just lie there and trust the Lord. I love this where Paul says this in Philippians 3, all I want, here's where I think he got his power, he'd later say this, all I, all I want is to know Christ and the power that raised him to life. And next week we're going to start a new series called The Twelve and uh, Lessons from the First Followers of Jesus. These people who know, knew Christ, they know Christ. What did they... We, we spent, we've spent 15 weeks looking at who Jesus is. Now we're going to look at what does a follower look like? What does it mean to follow Christ? What are all the things that, that matter there? And, I just, and I, what I notice here is, he says, Paul says, I want to know Christ. That's a relationship with Jesus. I want to know Him. Not about Him. And I notice that when I, when I know Christ, really know Him, it connects me to the power that raised Him from the dead. So because of Easter, this morning, I want you to know 
You don't have to be afraid to die. Amen. You can look forward with hope. Not only in this life, but the life to come. And His promises, all of God's promises, as hard sometimes as they are to trust, they're good. Very good. And maybe there's a promise that you know of that you need to take hold again because I'm going to tell you, it's good. It would be good for you. And because of Easter, you can experience God's power. You see, someday, yes, we're going to end up here. Every one of us. Every one of us. And I want to say to you, if you're going to end up in a place like this, you want to make sure Jesus is there. You want to take Jesus to your grave. I know some of you got secrets, family secrets, going to take to your grave. Listen, there's something else you need to take to your grave. They say you can't take it with you. You can take Jesus to your grave. And when he's there, something big can happen. Because when Jesus is at a cemetery, big stuff happens. Let's look at this passage as we close one more time. It's found in your notes here and up on the screen. John 11. Jesus says to Martha, you know, Lazarus has been dead for four days and he's, she's discouraged. If you'd have been here sooner, this wouldn't have happened. Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. This is because he says, he, he says, well, he's going to live again. Well, yeah, on the last day. No, no, he's going to live right now because when I show up at a cemetery, life begins to happen. One of the things I notice about cemeteries in the wintertime is how dead they look. And you can see the weeds, right? But someday, usually around spring, the flowers start to bloom. And it starts showing signs of life. And Jesus, here at this tomb, is trying to explain to Martha something I need to understand, and maybe you need to understand too. And that is that the resurrection brings life to dead places. And I notice here, he says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? What a question. And you know what Martha says? I believe you're the Son of God. Of course I believe it. I'll ask you this morning, will you believe it? You say, well, Tim, there's a lot of questions about the resurrection. We're not going to go into that now. You can Google and read all of all the stuff you want, pros and cons, and make up your own mind. The question's still going to be before you. Will you believe this? Will you believe that he resurrected? Will you believe but why is that so important? One time Jesus said this to Peter. He was telling his disciples, this is what's going to happen to me. I'm going to be killed and I'm going to raise from the dead. And remember what Peter said? No. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. It's satanic to not believe in the resurrection. That's how, that's how serious it is. It hinges on whether or not I'm going to live forever. If I'm going to be, if I'm going to experience eternal life, comes down to this. Well, I believe. If you can, if you do believe, 
yes, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, I believe He's. I should turn to Him and trust Him. Then look at this passage. This passage in Romans 6 now makes sense. He's talking about baptism here. He's talking about being buried with Christ. And look what he says here. If we shared in Jesus' death by being baptized, we will be raised to life with Him. You've got a card inside your bulletin. And maybe you go, Tim, I don't... What is it? What are you talking about baptism, all this stuff for? Well, why don't check a box that says, I want a Bible study? Just check it. And let someone open the Bible up with you. Nobody will push you. This is, we're not selling insurance. Just want to answer your questions. So you can know the resurrection. I just, all I know is right now, it, I, I know this. If, if, if you're somebody who says, you know, I trust Jesus, you want to be baptized. Listen, right? Check that box. I want to be baptized. That new life can begin today on Easter Sunday. If you say, well, you know, I'd like to know more, a little more about this church. There's a box, I think, somewhere there. Or maybe you've got something you're just wanting prayer for. Fill out that prayer card. Let some people pray for you. They're, it goes to a, our special prayer ministry, and they pray over these cards and pray through those cards because they want you to experience the power of God, the power of the resurrection. We're going to let you do that while we sing a song. After this prayer, we'll sing a song, give you time to fill that card out, and then we'll have another song as we close out our service. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for the power of the resurrection, Father. Father, I, I know that there's people here in this crowd, they have questions about you, about what what is a what is it all about, why are they even here, things like that. Father, I pray you'll answer those questions that they'll have the courage and the humility to, to uh, pursue the answer to those questions from you. Father, I just think about big things happen when your son was in the cemetery. And Father, I, we pray that, that uh, we pray, I pray for everyone here, Father, that, that we make sure we take you with us to our grave. Because we want, we want to be with you. Thank you for everyone that's here. Bless everyone here this Easter Sunday. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.